Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Let's have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your hosts, Jamal Tanner and Nick Holman. Hello and welcome to the 86th edition of the MTO Podcast. I guess this would be our... Heinz Ward edition, I think that would be the guy. I can't think of anybody else who was 86. Maybe, was Irvin Fryer 86? I don't remember. Let's just go with Heinz Ward because I know that one. Um, we're going to talk a lot of football again. We're going to sprinkle in some baseball at the end. Let's go ahead and get started. Let's start with college football. Um, a lot of games this week. Can't cover them all, but I just, I watched Georgia play again, and they they did that thing one more time. So I got a very simple question for you. Georgia versus the field. Who are you taking? I mean, at this point in the season, you got to take Georgia, right? Like, they've been so dominant and just look every bit of what you would think they would have looked like. I think, you know, we joked about the defense and how many players they lost, but it doesn't exactly look like they lost any players. So, yeah, man, they're pretty good. And just, I think you come to that conclusion because of what you saw Alabama versus Texas and you get a little shaky on how good you might think Alabama is, even though I still think they're really good in their own right. But it, at this point, it doesn't even look like teams are touching Georgia. Like, you know, they beat an Oregon team that looks like they're going to be a pretty solid team uh, this year. They beat up pretty good on South Carolina, who I don't think is going to be, you know, world beaters, but I don't think they're the worst team in the world either. So they just look pretty dominant, man. They look like they're a team on a mission trying to repeat. So, um, yeah, if it's Georgia versus the field like we used to do with Tiger back in the day. I'm going to go with Georgia right now. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm going with Georgia myself. I do think I have the same question I had last year, which proved to be a, a real thing, is... I think you can throw on Georgia. You, who they played so far, wants to run it. You're not running on Georgia. I mean, that's the kind of the rule I used to always have with Wisconsin: is you're not running on Wisconsin. But we all knew that you could throw on Wisconsin. With Georgia, I'm not as sure, but I think it's possible. So if they get a playoff game and they got to play against Ohio State, who's probably got the best receiving core in the nation, uh, even though I will say Maryland also has a very good receiving core, but it ain't touching Ohio state. So I don't know. That's a matchup that I would be a little wary against with Georgia. Not, I wouldn't be scared by any means, but you know, it's definitely pick your, pick your interest there. And then also with Alabama, obviously it's still Alabama, right? They didn't look great against Texas, but I think Texas specifically on defense is probably better than what we've seen for a little while. So, um, the short answer is yes, I'm still taking Georgia, but I will say that the field has some contenders that I would at least be uh, intrigued to see that matchup for sure. On the note of, you know, we were kind of talking about Georgia and them shellacking Oregon, um, and then also Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State, who then I believe lost to Bowling Green this weekend, I want to say. Um, and we kind of wrote both of them off, but then they both came back with some pretty impressive wins, so... Do you feel like we overreacted with Oregon and Texas A&M and maybe they're better than we gave them credit for a week ago? I don't. I wouldn't go that far. I think they're okay teams. I think I think a lot of these teams are overrated, honestly. Like I don't think Miami was as good as their ranking was. I think they were in, you know, an inflated team. So, I don't know. I'm not giving too much credit to A&M beating um Miami. And then you know with Oregon, I think they're I think they're an okay a better team. I think they ran into a bus all week one. You had to play Georgia off top, really good team. You probably weren't ready for it. Bo Nix, I mean they kind of you know they knew Bo Nix, so I think there's a lot of things going against Oregon. So I if you were asking me who do I believe more in, I would probably tilt towards Oregon. I just don't think Miami was that good of a team, and I do believe I think Oregon is still a pretty good team, and I think they're going to get it. Uh, going again, and uh, they're going to be one of the teams fighting for that uh, Pac-10. I don't know how many teams they got. I'm going to call them Pac-10 championship here. Yeah, I feel like we overreacted with Oregon, but Texas A&M kind of is who I thought they were. Um, My main thing is is in college football, if you can't score, then I don't trust you. It's the same reason why I didn't like Notre Dame, because I didn't think they could score. 
Turns out they can't. Texas A&M, as much as I love uh, Devin A-Chain, which I, I, I love that dude, he's by himself. I mean, I like Aeneas Smith, but you got to have somebody that can give him the ball. And we saw that Haynes King probably isn't it. Max Johnson didn't exactly look like it either. They can't move the football, so I don't think we overreacted there. But I think Oregon's pretty a solid team. I think they're definitely a top 20 type of team. But it's kind of what we just got to talk about. Georgia's on the, another level. So I think we judged them a little harshly based off what we saw against Georgia. But I think they'll be a good team. I will say I think the Pac-12, because there's 12 teams there, um, I think the conference might be a little better than we're giving it credit for because Washington looked pretty solid. Uh, USC's looked pretty good. I think Oregon's decent to legit. Um, Oregon State's better than the, what they've been. I think they're about to run into a bus all this week because they have USC. But I watched them against Fresno State and I was like, okay, well, as bad as they were, they look a, a very improved there. So, I'm not going to sit here and say they're better than SEC or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is I think they're better than we had previously given them credit for. Another thing that I want to talk about that we didn't actually put on the agenda, but we did discuss for a little bit, so I want to bring it up again. Um, How top-heavy are these conferences that we respect so much, namely the SEC and the Big Ten? Because I feel like I've said it a couple times, and I don't know if everybody hears me, but I don't think these conferences are very deep. I think when you look at the Big Ten, it's pretty much Michigan and Ohio State. Is maybe Penn State? And then when you go to the SEC, you look at Auburn, who just got smacked by Penn State, who I said was a maybe, and then it's, it's basically what? Georgia and Alabama, is there another team in there that you're really that impressed with? Because we just said Texas A&M was overrated. So are these are these conferences just getting by off reputation without actually having to prove it because they generally play each other? And then we just say it was a good team that they played against because of what conference they play in, even if they're not that good. So I'm going to hang up and, and let you talk, but... Are these conferences overrated and really just held up by two people, two teams? Of course, you know that you know what the answer is. Of course, they are, and I think this we I'm gonna get to rules being taken away and this and that. But another rule we need to have is these SEC and Big Team Big Ten teams have to play decent to good out of conference games. None of this playing the Citadel, none of this playing Eastern Michigan, none of this playing where I don't even know where your school's from because it's not even a, a city or a state. It's Appalachian state, which ain't a state. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that jokes have been flying about that. Texas A&M yelled squad. Just watch that. But anyway, make these teams actually play legit teams. So we know how good they are. They've been skating off of reputation of being in these conferences with these good teams and just beating up on other teams that are just in the conference. So we say they're good. You make Auburn play a Penn State and then get smacked at home, and we don't even think Penn State's that good of a team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, make Michigan State go on the road all the way to Seattle and play a, a decent to good Washington team so they can get smacked up. Like, you know what I mean? Make Alabama go to Texas and play a hard road game at a real road uh you know, environment and not a neutral site in like Jerry World or uh, playing in the uh, Falcon Stadium, Mercedes-Benz Dome. I was losing the name of the stadium. You know what I mean? Make these teams actually play hard games in real environments so we can see what they're actually made of. So, of course, I think they've been skating on reputation by uh, held up by the top-heavy teams in their conferences, but uh, we need to start making these teams play better uh, on a conference team so we can really know what they're made of and see how good they are and not just letting them skate off the reputation of their conferences. All right. You've alluded to the rule changes that you want to see. I'm going to let you go ahead and, and say if do your best, uh, Jeff Van Gundy impersonation. Cause he's always talking about changing the rules. So you go ahead and be Jeff Van Gundy and change the rules, uh, in football. Yeah. It sounds like me and Jeff will be, Perfect fans, because I'm just swear I'm just watching the games all the time, changing rules. Like I'm Mister Change the Rules every week, 
And one this week that was driving me crazy in college was was targeting. I get it. You're trying to keep the guy safe and going for the head, but targeting doesn't do that to me. It's just taking, to me, a lot of times, I feel like it takes the better players out of the games. Like, I feel like there's never a time where it takes, like, an okay player. It always seems always seems like it takes out the top one of the top two players on the defense. And to me, just throw the flag. Like, just give teams 15-yard penalties instead of kicking out teams' best players off of them trying to play a game that you're going off of reactions and you're trying to play fast and accidentally maybe hitting someone in the head, and now a team loses a player. Like, just give teams the penalties. Like, these kids aren't doing it on purpose. You don't have people, you know, basically Troy Palomano style going missile at people. You know what I mean? Like, they're actually trying to wrap up and tackle. Accidents happen. I don't think you need to, you know, put teams at such a disadvantage over, you know, accidental head-to-head contact on a guy, a running back lowering his head and the defender's already going low. And next thing you know, they accidentally clash. And now the defender's gone. Like, that's just not fair to me. So I think they just got to stop being lazy and going to review and kicking these kids out. You see it, just throw the flag, let it happen, 15 yards, this and that. If you give these coaches a challenge, if they maybe want to challenge to not like get the flag taken away or something, if they don't think it's um, targeting or whatever. But the kids getting kicked out over it is, you just got to miss me with that, man. Like, you, you don't do that on a pro level. And now that these kids are actually getting paid with this NIL money, and, I mean, it was always a facade to begin with, but, like, this, it's just a silly rule to me. I think it needs to be taken away at this point. Can I make a bargaining statement for both of those rules and see if you agree with me there? All right. So the targeting, I generally agree, but why don't we just have it to where it's, it can be elevated to an ejection if it is deemed to be malicious, right? So most of the times when we see this, it's just a bang, bang play guy ducked, hit him in the head and we're ejecting him for that. I don't say eject him for that. Just throw the flag, keep it pushing. But if we have Brandon Merriweather reincarnate coming to college football again and decides to go head hunting, then at that point you can deem that and elevate that to an ejection specifically in college. Does that seem fair? I can go for that. Like, I can go for it looking like, you know, the quarterback's going to slide, guy comes in really late, hits him in the head, you know, dude bangs his head off the turf. You want to eject him for that, be my guess. But the ones where it's just accidental contact and guys are getting, you know, ejected for that, that's the one where I'm just, we got to figure out a better way to, you know, not kick out players for stuff like that. 100% agree. The second rule, let's see if we can come to a compromise. (laughs) The second rule, I feel like I can get definitely get people on board with me on this one. And that's um, lineman downfield. The penalty that was getting called a lot today in uh, what was it, the Eagles Vikings game, I believe. I think he got called a couple times. The refs were really trying to get camera time. My man must have had an over under bet in Vegas for how many times he'd get put on camera. But that's beside the point. We got to get rid of this rule. I feel like it always gets called on big plays, and the lineman downfield's never doing anything. He's just wandering like a lost cow. He's just downfield grazing. He's just looking for grass. So to me, it always seems to get called when they're doing nothing. They're just happen to get too far down the field, and it never affects the play. So I think it's a silly rule. I. I'm sure you're going to give me the smart answer for why it affects the game and why the rules should stay in place. But to me, I, I think it's a rule we can get rid of and nobody would know the difference. Like holding, holding is a, a call. You could probably call every damn play. You don't. So why are we calling this man down the field on a long touchdown when he ain't doing nothing? So, you know, sometime in the blue moon, maybe call it. You're having a bad day. Somebody cussed you out. Shit, throw the flag. Y'all made me mad. But let's just get rid of the rule altogether. It's, just, it's silly to me. We're flagging wandering cows. Let's get rid of it. Compromise number two. What if we only flag it if they're making contact when they're illegally downfield? Which means if they really are just a wandering cow and they ain't messing with nobody, ain't hurting nobody, we don't throw the flag. But if they're out here 
20 yards down the field and they out here trying to hem somebody up. The safety's like, what are you way down here for, man? Why are you blocking me? I'm out here trying to get some coverage in and you out here blocking me. Then at that point, then it would be a flag. Because I think that's the concern is can you call pass interference on a lineman? I don't think you can. So if you allow them downfield, then technically they could go down there and just block somebody and it's a pick play. But you can't call passes affairs on linemen, can you? I ain't never seen that before. So there has to be something that prevents them from just literally just picking off your cornerback. Like running like a sluggo, but the lineman pins them back when you <laughs> when you do the up part. The, like there's got to be something to stop the lineman from literally just blocking 20 yards down the field and opening up your receiver. So as long as you are just a grazing cow and you ain't touching nobody, then I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you as far as I hate when it's, he's just five yards on the field and literally looks lost. Like there's sometimes <laughs> they're down the field. They don't even know where they're at. Like they're looking around like, how did I get here? Like <laughs> in that scenario, we don't need to flag them for that. That man's just lost. But I do get if they're actually blocking downfield, that why it would be a penalty. Is that, a, is that an agreeable compromise there? Once again, I can be talked into an agreeable compromise. Like, But I do feel like 90% of the time, they are just lost, right? Like, you see the play, and they're just lost. Like, I feel like whoever was lined up in front of them just disappeared, and they just went forward because there's nobody in front of you. So, yeah, if they're downfield blocking a safety, for sure, call that shit. You're out of pocket, but if you're just a wandering cow, as I like to call them, when they get called for it, because that's what they look like, honestly. It just come on, let's let it slide now. On that note, what you what we're talking about an eligible man downfield, it's obvious for us because we got this little blue line on the ground. But I've noticed since that's become so normal with us watching football is with this superimposed lines, the commentators have been really coming at people as if the line is really there. They were like, oh, he just he had the first down, but what is he doing? I'm like, bro, he can't see that line. Like, it ain't really there. Like, I don't know why you treat the – because I can't remember what quarterback it was, but he was scrambling, and he had nothing, and he kind of just ran out of bounds with it, and it was like a one-yard loss or something like that because he was technically, if he threw it, they were just like, what a dumb play. If he throws that, he saves a yard. I'm like, bro, he can't see this blue line that you're looking at. Like, he, he can't. He's got – 300-pound men chasing them, and he just knows he doesn't want to throw an interception, so he just took it out of bounds. But you got to give him some – like, it's hard to just know exactly – especially – it's one thing if you're on a on a yard mark, right? Like, you started the play on the 30, and it's got a line all the way across. You can see that. Okay. But if you're on the 33, like, how am I supposed to know exactly where I'm at? So I think people need to realize, for you, those of you at home and the commentators – these lines that you see, they don't actually see them on the field. So let's give them a little bit of, of, of grace there and let these athletes go do their thing. All right, I'm, I'm on board with the rule changes. I just need a little couple caveats, and I'll sign the paper. I'll sign the petition. You, you draft up the petition, I'll sign it with you. I'm, I'm right there with you, big dog. So let's go from college football to the NFL. Last week we reviewed our picks, and we were pretty happy with where we were at. Uh, something tells me we were not going to be as happy. So let us know the damage. How do we do? Ooh, we had a rough one this week, Jamal. We had a rough one. Um, we actually did the same. We did eight and eight, which is uh, not good. Not good. It's 500. But uh, we had some things go our uh, not our way at the end. Uh, the Browns was one, which was actually kind of funny because uh, – Coach Stefanski had his kids down on the field. They was ready to do the, like, the family thing after the win. Didn't quite go the way you thought it was going to go. So uh, that one backfired on us. We had uh, both picked the Saints. That had back, uh, backfired. Both picked Pittsburgh. Both picked uh, Indianapolis. The Ravens was another game that caught us late. Uh, Tua and them boys caught fire. Uh, he was slinging it all over the field to uh, Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle. So, um, yeah, that was another one that got us. The Bengals, ooh, coming out flat. Just not looking good. The offensive line still a problem. We thought in the offseason they kind of took care of that right, signed some guys, drafted guys. 
take care of Joey B, get those guys you know, going back to the playoffs. But now they're looking like they got that Super Bowl slump. Not good. Um, Raiders uh, Cardinals, crazy game, crazy game. Very exciting. Uh, that game was so exciting. I had me looking at plane tickets to go see a Raiders game. I was like, ooh, this. They look like they have fun at the end of those games. Um, Kyler Murray uh, pulled it off. He was doing some magician stuff, ducking under people, just running. Like, what was it? That, I think the I don't know if it was two point conversion or I forget. The, yeah, where he ran eighty five yards, but it was actually like fifteen yards, like uh, north of south. Yeah, it was crazy. So that was another game that flipped on the last second. And then um, today, uh, at the end, you had got or I got Philly. You had got the Vikings. So that kind of both put us at eight and eight evenly, but. Up and down week, but I'm not going to put it all on us. There's definitely some games that went, you know, sideways at the end. But, uh, yeah, that's the damage for the week, man. On to, uh, on to the next week, as they would say. Yeah, we'll get into that a little later. One thing I want to comment on, how many deleted tweets do you think there were about Kyler Murray not performing before he did his Houdini act? Because people love to bash on Kyler Murray. I've noticed that. And... I think they were locked and loaded and ready. Some of them probably already got sent and then retracted. And then, like I said, he pulled a rabbit out of a hat and they won that game. And that was probably as good a performance I've seen from a quarterback and a comeback effort. Well, I guess since 20 minutes before then, because I had watched Tua do it just, just a little bit before that. So it was a crazy weekend. I don't know if there was a non-entertaining game the whole slate really besides this Buffalo first Tennessee game. That was about exactly the way we thought it was going to happen. Cause even the games that were blowouts, it was interesting because it was the underdog that was blowing them out. Right. So, I mean, the only game that wasn't close was Jacksonville Indy that I can think of off the top of my head. And that was just interesting because it's like people had Indy as you know, Super Bowl, and they ain't got a win yet. So, a lot of crazy stuff. I feel like week over week, we've had really good games. I'm not usually this locked into the NFL, but even going back to the playoffs last year, all those games were fantastic. So I don't know what's going on. Um, if there was ever a time for the conspiracy theory for rigged football to be a thing, now was the time. Cause this, this has like WWE type plots and, Next, all we need now is like fan interference, some some fan to like catch the ball for a player while the ref wasn't looking and then hand it to the player or something like that. But we've seen a lot of crazy stuff, brawls breaking out, just everything that you could really ask for in, in football weekend. So NFL, I know Roger Goodell and them boys got to be really excited with the product they're putting on the field because we've had a lot of entertaining games and a lot of hist- historic type of performances. Uh, from Tua to even Lamar Jackson in that same game. He was phenomenal. Um, But that brings me to a question that I have. This question only had two people on it, but now it has three because of Diggs. Uh, Who had the more impressive game this weekend as a wide receiver? Um, We talked a little bit about Tyreek Hill and what he did. I think he had 190 yards, two touchdowns, about 10 catches, somewhere around there. And Amon Ross St. Brown pretty much did the same thing. He's got eight straight games with a touchdown. I think he can break the record next week if he does it again. Um, so, But then we saw what Diggs did, and he had three touchdowns. Felt like 3,000 yards. I don't know how many he actually had. but So with these receivers kind of all spazzing out, who do you think had the most impressive game? I think I really like Diggs. And I think that's probably me being more prisoner of the moment, but man, it's pretty dominant. <laughs> like it, Gary Davis was out. Like, you know that Diggs is the main target already. Now a person's out and Josh Allen's going to go there more and they still couldn't stop. Like there's sometimes when Diggs just looks unstoppable. And I think the thing with Diggs too, is he makes the tough catches. He makes the deep catches. Like he, there's not a route that he doesn't really do. So, when you go into that and then you just look at his performance this week, man, it was, yeah, it was impressive. Like no shade to all those guys. They all had like Tyreek Hill put it on late. He still, I mean, I don't think we didn't think he'd had the burner still, but I think we, you know, 
some of us still had our doubts about two if he could get the ball there, but he showed he could. So, you know, Tyreek had his game. I'm on St. Brown, a guy that you, you've been on for a while, ever since the draft, balling out for the Lions. Uh, he's a guy I like to target on uh, DraftKings just for the mere fact that he's going to get targets and he, he's going to catch the ball, um, catches touchdowns. You always like that, a guy that's uh, good in the red zone. So um, all those guys, like I said, really good performances, really good weekends, but Diggs to me was just a, just a tick better and a tick more dominant than I think those guys were uh, this weekend. I got Diggs as well. The main reason why I got Diggs is because he did it in three quarters. Like, I don't think he played the fourth. So if you're going to have comparable numbers, and you, it's like the time when Kobe had 60 and he ain't played the, he ain't played the fourth quarter. He was already icing his knees by the time that last 12 was going on. So I got Diggs. But I will say, this is a little bit of a tangent, but... I'm not sure NFL coaches are smart. Because like you just said, like Gabriel Davis is out. I don't mean no shade. I don't mean no disrespect. But when you're looking at the starting receivers, and you got Stephon Diggs on one side, and you got Jake Kumaro on the other side, I know who I'm forcing to beat me, and it ain't Stephon Diggs, right? Like... Jake Kumaro is going to have to have a career night. You know what I mean? And if he's able to do it, then, you know, you golf clap and you keep it pushing. But it ain't going to be Stephon Diggs that has the career night. Not the guy that made it to the Pro Bowl. Like, that's not the dude that's going to beat me. It don't make sense to me why we don't force the unproven guy to go prove it. It makes more sense when you're looking at Miami because it's like, okay, Jalen Waddle's proven. Tyreek Hill's proven. What are you going to do? You got one on both sides, right? It just doesn't, it's just very frustrating for me when I see this. And last week it was Justin Jefferson, right? Again, for the Packers, I give them a little bit more of an excuse because Adam Thielen's been that dude before. So at least he's got a resume that you can see. But at some point when he's scored, I'm pretty sure Justin Jefferson scored a touchdown on the opening drive. So, okay, he gets you for one. And then he beats somebody deep. At that point, adjustment, it ain't going to be him no more. It's time for Thielen to get off if they're going to do it. But nope, they let Justin Jefferson just do it all up and down the, on the field. And I'm like, at some, when are you going to adjust? I understand you got Jair Alexander, but it ain't his day. Like he, He's getting cooked right now. Help my man out. For Tennessee, you don't have anybody for digs. I love Caleb Farley. He ain't there. We know that. So give my man some help. You know, like you look at the, the the Vikings-Eagles game. Darius Slay is a very good corner, but they gave my man help on Justin Jefferson. They were like, it ain't going to be him, right? And they had a lot of success with that. I think Minnesota scored, what, seven points? Because they just made a simple adjustment. Like, hey, you're not going to beat me with your best player. Just go on one-on-one. Like, we know what he could do. We've seen this. I don't understand why around the league we're seeing over and over again teams not make this adjustment, which I don't think is that complicated. At least for a quarter or a half or something, let that other person beat you because you're trying to take away their best player. Kickoff to final whistle, you're just going to let my man drag you up and down the field all all game? Like I don't get that. That don't make no sense to me. I'm off my soapbox. Let's go ahead and move on. Um, we talked about injuries a little bit last week. We had a major one again this week. That was Trey Lance going down with a fractured ankle. It was a bad injury. I didn't want to. I saw it the first time. I'm not going to see it again. And then you got Jimmy Garoppolo with a shit-eating grin the whole time. I'm like, hey, man, your, your boy just got hurt. I need you to maybe show a little compassion. I know you wanted to play. I get it, but... Seem a little too excited about my man getting hurt. Like you just poked the voodoo doll before this shit happened or something. I don't know. Not the point. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? And does do the 49ers look even better finding a way to keep Jimmy Garoppolo now that we've seen this injury? Yeah, I, you know, I think I kind of said before the season or once they decided that they were going to keep him, this was kind of a good plan. Honestly, once, once they reduced his salary, I thought this was a good plan because one, you do have in front of Jimmy Garoppolo a running quarterback. Running quarterbacks tend to get hurt because they're running the ball like running backs and they get banged up and 
you know, linebackers hit very hard. I don't know if y'all know that. So with him getting hurt and now you have Jimmy step in, you have a reliable backup and that's something you weren't going to have if you had let Jimmy walk away. Like, I don't know if uh, my man, was it Beathard is still on the roster or where Mullins, my bad, my bad. I think Beathard was a while back. I don't know if my man, Nick Mullins is still on the roster or whatnot, but that was going to be, that would be who was playing right now. And, your season would basically be going down the drain again. You know, we've seen what Nick Bones can do. We've seen him basically have to come in when people have gotten hurt or when they weren't good, and this wasn't a good team. So I think now that you don't have to abandon your season plans with Trey Lance out, and that was something you would have had to do if Jimmy Garoppolo would have been traded away or flat-out released or, you know, just not there anymore. So the 49ers are still okay. But I think the one thing that people aren't talking about is with Jimmy coming back in, well, there was a reason why they drafted Trey Lance. There was a reason why they were ready to move on. And that reason was because we kind of knew what the ceiling was with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, yeah, your season isn't over, but we still know what the ceiling is. Now, yeah, you you can definitely get to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen it done, but we also saw what happened at the end of last year. He was the main reason why they couldn't get further. So, to me, they're still in the same you know position they were before. Now they just have basically a step backwards a year because the guy that they had, they thought they had for the future, they don't right now. So they'll be able to survive. They'll probably end up, they'll be in the playoff hunt. But you know, this just doesn't do anything to move the needle for the Niners or the NFC West. Yeah, I've seen this movie before. Like you said, thing is, I guess my concern would be if I'm a Niners fan is. This happened a little early in the season because Jimmy ain't exactly Mr. Durability himself. So I feel like there's a chance that we see Nate Sudfeld, I think is who their third string quarterback is. Cause Nick Mullins is over there in Vegas living his best life as a backup quarterback, which it's got to be the dream. It's got to be the dream to be a backup quarterback. You, you out here just doing whatever you want, making millions. Just I ain't got no pressure on me. Then the dude get hurt. You're like, oh, shit, I wasn't supposed to be me. <laughs> like um uh was it Chase Daniel uh and when when yeah. Herbert got hurt? He was like, like oh. damn, I ain't played four years. <laughs> so. My man looked like he didn't bring his helmet on the field. He was like, Oh shit, where's my helmet at? <laughs> Somebody find my helmet. Somebody find it. Uh but yeah, I don't I, I mean it is it's unfortunate seeing somebody get hurt, but we'll see like you said, at least with the Niners they have a good idea of that they could still be a playoff team and get at least close to the promised land. At any rate, we want to do another segment. Um, we've, we've thought up a new segment. I don't want to move on too past Trey Lance, but uh, I was coughing and couldn't hold it together. So let's just go ahead and keep it pushing. Um, Nick and I like to argue a little bit. We do it more off air than on air. Maybe we should bring it on the air. It might, might be more intriguing, but it is what it is. And, We've had some difference of opinion, so we want to bring these topics to the public and let them decide. For the record, you're not swaying my opinion, even if everybody agrees with Nick. I, I, I feel how I feel, but that's beside the point. Let's just hear, let's just hear these opinions. So we're going to have a segment called On the Train. So basically what it's going to be is we're going to take a person and a stance on said person. And we're going to say, are you on the train or are you off that train? We're going to start with a very polarizing figure of Tua. Still can't say his last name. Tagovailoa. That's why everybody calls him Tua because nobody can say his last name. <laughs> Tagovailoa, I think it is. It's funny. I was watching Maryland play and his little brother plays for them. And his first name is Talia, which isn't as fun to say as Tua. So I'm like, damn, I don't know how to say either one of these days. But um, young Tua, as I, as I call him. But anyway, back to the point. Tua had the game of his life. He had six touchdowns and a comeback victory. I think he had like 467 yards or something crazy like that. So I've been pro Tua for a while now. Like you could, you can, you can check the receipts. I've always been on the Tua train. The question is, has Nick purchased a ticket? To board the Tua train. So I will give you the floor, sir. So here, this is my dilemma. I'm getting there. So I'm in line, right? I'm in line for the Tua ticket to get on the train. 
But I'm thinking about, I'm still thinking I might get out of line. Like, I might, you know, not buy a ticket. So that's where I'm at right now. I'm in line to buy the ticket, but I can't, I can't buy my ticket yet. I'm just, it's a good game, but I don't know how good this Ravens defense is. They looked bad in this game. Like, not good at all. Like, they might be, like, the Ravens might have to put up a lot of points every week if this is how this defense is going to look. I'm, so, I'm, I, he does have weapons. He has Tyreek Hill. He has Waddle. We talked about that. But I'm just still not sold if he can be that guy. I still think he's, if anything, a high-end game manager. So I'm not bought my ticket yet. I'm in line. We'll see if once I get up to the window, if I'm going to purchase that ticket or not. You know, it's a, it's a big purchase. So I understand you're taking your time. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, as you get more information and you get a couple of reviews on the product, uh, you'll be sold on it and you'll, you'll be on that train. So I'll give you the time that you need for you to board that train. And I will make sure that you have a nice, comfortable seat, glass of ice water ready for you. We'll be on that train together in no time flat. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to your boy, Zeke. You've been telling me my man's been cooked since, Shit, I don't know. Like the year after they won a championship at Ohio State, like you've been, you've been, you've been off that the Zeke train for a while now. So you are on the Zeke is washed train. I guess I can't ask you the question because I already know your stance. So the question is to me. I'm gonna ask myself a question, Mister Jamal. Are you on the Zeke is washed train? The short answer is no. I don't think he's washed. I don't think he's in mint condition. You know, I think there's, if he's a, if he's a trading card, I think the corner's a little bent, you know what I mean? But it still looks, still looks good, but it's not in mint condition. You can't sell it for what you used to be able to sell it for. But I just think that there's a lot of factors that have gotten in the way, right? That sometimes life gets in the way, right? And I think that's where Zeke is right now, you know, the first week, really, he played well. He got 10 carries. He had 52 yards. That's 5.2 a, a, a carry. Like, that's good against a good run defense. Second week, you tried out Cooper Rush out there. There's going The box is going to be stacked. That's just all there is to it. Now, Cooper Rush went out ahead and did his thing. But if you're starting quarterbacks, Cooper Rush ain't going to be running lanes. Like, this is what it is. So, I'm just not ready to say he's washed. I don't think he's the same guy. But I think he's a good running back in the NFL. I want to put a number on it, but I'm scared because I haven't thought through it. But let's say top 15. I think he's a top 15 running back in this league. Do you want to go through it and and name him? Or do you want to just take my word for it how you want to do this? I'll take your word for it at the moment. But I feel like if I gave you a discount on the ticket for the train, I feel like you buy a ticket. If I give you a discount, a little 50% discount on it. Yeah, if you cut me a deal, I, 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 I'd consider it. Like, it's it's worth consideration. I'm just, I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. All right. So, a train that I want to talk about is one that I, I built from ground up myself. I constructed this train. Got it nice. Got it all taken care of. This, this is a well-oiled machine here. And that is Russell Wilson being washed. I've been saying it. I put him in the washer. I didn't start it yet. I just put him in there. After what I saw last week. Hell, even when I saw week one, that washer started. Permanent press, baby. 45 minutes and it'll be done. Like He is washed. He's cooked. Whatever term you want to use. It's oh, He ain't that dude no more. Will you board this train with me, sir? Well, I bored as shit. I'm ready to upgrade to first class, sir. Where can I get on the train? I'm re- first, first class. I want to be on board first. I want to relax. I want a sleeper car. I want it all. Give me the works. I am all in on this, sir. My man is so bad. He missing people wide open over the middle. I'm like, yo, my man's open over the middle for six. Like, yeah. And then they gave him the bag. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, man, it's all bad at Denver. And they coach can't coach? <laughs> they might as well blow it up at this point. Yeah, man. Upgrade. Upgrade me, as Beyonce would say. Yeah. Every time I think about the fact that they just paid him, 
I also think about I every time I think about the fact that I think he's cooked, I also think about the fact that they just paid him and I'm like, ooh. Y'all paid for that overcooked meal? Ooh. That's gonna be you bought a you paid full price for a two dollar steak. I don't understand why you did that. That don't make no sense to me, but you know, that's just, that's their lawn, let them lay in it. You know, as Martin would say. So Then ask for it well done. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. And so the last one. I'm personally on the fence on, so I'm going to ask you. The train is that Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Let's say he's a top 12 quarterback. Are you on that train? I got to let this train go by, man. I can't, I can't roll on the Derek Carr train. I, I just can't do it. Like, He's too up and down. Like, my man, not a train. He a roller coaster. Like, I can't do that. I can't do those emotions with him. So, yeah, I just, the upside isn't up enough for me, and the downside is too down for me. So, got to let that train go by. It's funny because when I brought this up, I said I was on the fence, but the more I thought about it, I ain't getting on that damn train. I'd rather walk or skip, run, bike bike ride, whatever I got to do, I ain't get on the goddamn train. It makes no sense to me. He's not a top 12 quarterback. He's a solid quarterback. I think we were kind of talking about Jimmy Garoppolo as far as the fact that the ceiling is you can you can go far in the playoffs with him even though he's not you know that guy. I feel the same way about Derek Carr. I feel better about Derek Carr than I do Jimmy Garoppolo, but he's not a top 10, top 12 game-changing type of quarterback to me. He's just a solid quarterback right he's Kirk Cousins in a I mean basically just maybe not as likely to get rattled because Kirk Cousins can get rattled a little bit but that's where he's at I'm not on that train I'm nowhere near that train so that's all we have for that segment I think I kind of like that segment I think we'll try to make sure that we're incorporating it a little more because it was fun to do hopefully it's fun to listen to you guys can give us some feedback but uh, for now it's time for us to make this week's picks in the NFL, hopefully it goes a little better than last week. So without further ado, let's go ahead and start with the Thursday night game. We have Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Who do you got? I have the Browns. Um, I just think they're a little bit, a tick better than Pittsburgh. Um, not going deep into analysis, uh, bad quarterback play, a lot of run game. I think Browns squeak it out. I got the Browns solely off the fact that they got to be mad as hell about last week losing to the Jets. Um, I think they're the better team. I think they finished this time. They learned their lesson. I think they win that game. All right, so next game, let's go Houston Texans at the Chicago Bears. That's an interesting one. Who do you got? I'm going to go with the Texans. Just a hunch. I don't even have analysis for this game. Who you got? I was hoping that would take a little longer because I have no clue how I feel about this game. I'm going to go with the Bears. Again, don't have a lot of analysis. I'm just going with the Bears, so that's what it is. The next game we have is the Tennessee Titans versus the Las Vegas Raiders. I'll take this one first. I'm going to go with Las Vegas. That's got to be a breath of fresh air, fresh air for Las Vegas to see who they got next and see Tennessee. They're like, oh, okay, we'll be fine. I just don't think Tennessee is very good. So I got Las Vegas going in there and, and getting their first win of the season. Who you have? Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, Tennessee is not very good. Watching them today, I am not impressed whatsoever. I think the Raiders roll easily and get back on semi-track. All right, Kansas City at Indy. Who do you have in that one? Chiefs, easy, move on. Chiefs, easy, move on. I agree. Next one, we got Buffalo at Miami. It's funny because I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure if I'm picking against Buffalo all season. So I don't see any reason to start now. I think we're going to get 16 times I'm going to say Buffalo unless some injury happens. So. Let's make it three for three to start with. I got Buffalo beating Miami. I'm going to go Dolphins. I got uh, I got Miami getting the Bills, and I don't mean the Dolphins. I mean the city of Miami. I think 
teams go down there and they have a little bit too much fun and then they're not as sharp the next day. And I think the nightlife will get the bill. So I will go with the Dolphins. My man really does believe in Tua. All right. So Detroit at Minnesota. Who do you have in that game? I'm going with the Vikings. I think the Vikings need this game very badly. And I think they will get it. They are at home, I believe. And I think it's a shootout. I think it's going to be a wild, crazy game, probably back and forth. But I I do believe the Vikings will uh, win this game. I can see Jefferson going crazy after not having a good game in uh, Philly uh, Monday night. So I'm going to go with the Vikings. I am also going to go with the Vikings. All right. So the next game is Baltimore at New England. Baltimore has got to be a pissed off team. I'm going with Baltimore pretty handedly. Yeah, I like the Ravens in this matchup. I don't like the Ravens defense, but I don't like the Ra- or the Patriots offense even more. It's just uninspiring, and the Ravens can put up points, and I don't think the Patriots can put up any points. So I got the Ravens pretty handily in this one. All right, next game is an interesting game. We got the 0-2 Cincinnati Bengals at the 1-1 New York Jets. I got the Bengals, man. This is almost a must win. Like, I know it's week three and it's kind of a little too early to call it, but this is pretty much a must win, right? Like, if they take this L to the Jets, like, their season is about over. So, I think the Bengals get the Jets and uh, get the season going back the way it should go. Yeah, I agree. I got the Bengals. I was impressed with the Jets and their comeback effort. I think it was more of a fluke than anything else. So, I got the Bengals. I got the Bengals. Taking out some frustration on the Jets. Um, We got Philadelphia at Washington. I got Philly pretty easy. I don't think I need to explain myself. I think it's understood. So what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to agree pretty easily. Uh, Philly, not going to go too deep on it. Jalen Hurts looks good passing the ball. You know they can run uh, their stuff. The defense, really impressed with the defense tonight. But Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. He's going to give them a few turnovers. I got the Eagles. All right. Another game that I don't need a lot to say on is New Orleans versus Carolina. I'm going New Orleans. What about you? Yeah, I can't trust him, Baker. That guy is bad. Like, I, oh, man, Carolina, what are you doing? Matt Rule, what are you doing? Like, do you not want to keep your job? Like, God damn, dude, pick a better quarterback. Saints, sorry. Didn't mean to go on that tangent. In back-to-back years, they traded for Sam Darnold and then Baker Mayfield. Just let that sink in. Um, The next matchup is Jacksonville at Los Angeles. This would be the Chargers. I'm going Chargers. I'm assuming that Herbert's going to play. And if Herbert plays, Herbert wins. He's going to beat the Jacksonville. Well, the Chargers are going to beat Jacksonville with or without Keenan Allen because I don't think Keenan Allen will be in that game. I got the Chargers. I think they are the better team. Uh, Jacksonville is traveling all the way to the West Coast. I never like to pick those teams that are going east to west, west to east. I don't know, especially if they're not even the better team or even way better a team. They usually just tend to lose. So I got the Chargers. All right, we got the Rams. First, the Cardinals, which I think is going to be a really wacky game. So I'll let you go first. Who you got? I got the Rams, and I honestly flipped the coin. I did not know. I found a coin in my son's room. I flipped it, and it went the Rams way. So that's why I picked them. I got the Rams without flipping a coin. I don't know what to think about the Cardinals. I at least know who the Rams are. I will say I don't think the Rams' defense is very good. That's a little concerning if I'm a Rams fan, but I think it'll be good enough for this week. I got the Rams beating the Cardinals. Falcons versus Seahawks. I'm going to go first because this is one of the few times all year I'm going to be able to confidently say Atlanta. Don't let me down, Atlanta. I need this one win. You can lose the rest of them. Falcons beat the Seahawks in Seattle. Yeah, man. I got the Falcons also. I just think they're a better team than Seattle. I just, I don't like this team. I mean, I just, Gino at the helm, they're just not going to score many points. And I 
think the one thing that the Falcons can do is they can move the ball pretty well and they get up and down the field and they, they can score touchdowns. So I just think the Falcons are a better team than the Seahawks. I got the Falcons also. Green Bay versus Tampa Bay. Normally, I would say Tampa Bay pretty comfortably. They got a lot of issues at receiver, especially with uh, Mike Evans missing this game due to a suspension because he does not like Marshawn Lattimore and found an opportunity to push the shit out of Marshawn Lattimore. Um, With that said, I think Tampa Bay just finds a way. I think they're a very resourceful team. Tom Brady's been doing it a long time. They may have to win it with smoke and mirrors. But that's what they're gonna. Have, that's what they're gonna do. It's also in Tampa Bay. Makes me more confident. I'm taking Tampa Bay. Yeah, I gotta go with the Packers here, man. I just think it's too much stacked up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, losing Mike Evans is pretty big. I'm not sure what Godwin's status is. Um, he was out there throwing to Scotty Miller, uh, Scotty Miller a lot last week, and Scotty wasn't making those plays for Tom. He was clearly frustrated on the sidelines. I don't know if that's, you know, on field, off the field, both maybe combo. But, uh, yeah, I got the Packers. I, I'm i not, you know, the biggest believer in the Packers, but I do think they can get past Tampa Bay with uh, Tampa Bay not having all those players this week. San Francisco versus Denver. Denver's a shit show. I'm going 49ers. Yeah, man. Denver is the shittiest of shit shows. Every week they're – head coach is doing something wonky that just makes you scratch your head and just reconsider, should I have gone into coaching? Because I feel like I definitely could have made millions by now if I went into coaching. So, yeah, man, I'm going with the 49ers on this one. All right. And in a more traditional week, we only have one Monday night football game, and that is the Cowboys versus the Giants. I am not high on the Giants. They are 2-0. and It's only a matter of time before they lose. It is now. I got the Dallas Cowboys beating the New York football Giants. Yeah, you know, I wasn't high on the Cowboys after Dak got hurt. I, you know, Cooper Rush, I think, is an okay backup, but he doesn't really inspire too much of confidence. But when he's played, he's beaten, you know, at least decent teams. So, and I don't think the Giants are a decent team. I don't think they're that good of a team at all, really. I think they've gotten some, they've played, pretty bad teams also. So I think the Cowboys defense dominates. I think Michael Parsons gets after it and the Cowboys find a way to, you know, get a win over the Giants. All right. Those are our picks. I'm confident these will be better than last week's time will tell. We'll see for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and go to the major league baseball. We haven't talked baseball in a while. I know you got some things you want to talk about, so I'm going to give you the floor and let you uh, empty your notebook on what you want to talk about with baseball. Yeah, uh, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the postseason, and uh, this is when stuff starts getting real. You start to look at the playoff seedings, who's going to face who. But um, before, you know, we kind of talk about that at a later date, I kind of want to talk about a pitcher that's going under the radar. And if you're not, you know, paying attention to baseball on an everyday uh, basis or even weekly, if, you know, you have other stuff you're paying attention to in the sports landscape, you probably don't know the name Framber Valdez, and if you don't, it's it's crazy because he's actually one of the better pitchers uh, in baseball. He's probably the best ground ball pitcher in baseball, and uh, he pitches for the Houston Astros, so I know him well being an Astros fan, but just the stuff he's doing this year is just crazy. He, uh, he broke the record for uh, quality starts in a season in a row which was uh, 25, and he broke the record held by uh, Jacob deGrom. Good player, of course. You know, great player. So we know what uh, type of skill it takes to break something that deGrom had the record for. And if you don't know what a quality start in in baseball, it's basically pitching six uh, innings plus and giving up less than three earned runs. Now you could say, well, you know, that's not the hardest thing to do. But if you think about it, it actually isn't that easy either you know having to go six plus and giving up under three runs isn't you know the easiest of tasks so looking at what he's done through the year with that he's got an era of 2.5 he's second in the al and wins only behind his teammate justin verlander who's probably going to end up winning the al uh cy young award uh this year so 
you just, you know, there are a lot of good pitchers in baseball. You know, you have your Scherzers, you have your um, Kershaw, you have your, um, you have your uh, Cease in Chicago, you have your Verlanders, you have your uh, Otanis out in uh, L.A. You know, you don't always look at a guy like Framber Valdez, but he's really one of the best pitchers in this game, and I just... Wanted to kind of give him a shout out, especially after breaking the uh, quality starts record, uh, doing that in a row. Like, basically a full season of keeping your team in a game. That's basically what this comes down to, if you think about it. Because the Astros averaging five-plus runs, if every time Fromberg goes out there and he keeps teams basically under three, they're winning those games. So it's just really important to uh, be consistent every time you go on the mound. And that's basically what it shows that he is Mr. Consistent, that every time he goes out there, you are going to have a chance to win that game. So just wanted to shout him out for having a great season. Uh, You know, only going to get better. He's only 28. I think he's just now kind of hitting his prime. So, yeah, man, just wanted to, you guys don't, you know, football starting, you know, people really kind of down on baseball. This is one of the guys that's in the game doing it, so. Pay attention, especially uh, come postseason. He's going to be pitching for the Astros postseason. He's going to be a big part of uh, how far they go and uh, trying to accomplish what they want to accomplish as a team. So, from Valdez, having a great season. Probably won't win AL uh, Cy Young because there are some other guys doing good things uh, to great things also, but definitely needed a shout-out for the season he's having. Absolutely, and it helps to have a resident Astros fan to give him that shout-out that he deserves for sure. So I appreciate you going ahead and emptying that notebook. Uh, let's go ahead and bring it home. Um, this is obviously fantasy football is in full tilt. It's the thing that we all love to do. We're week, we're two weeks in. Some people are pressing the panic button. Others are feeling good. So I felt like this would be a good time to ask this question. Um, I just want you to give me two players. One player that if you had them, you would sell high on. And another player that if you somebody else had them, you would buy low on. So who basically is having a good start that you don't think could sustain it? And who's having a poor beginning that you think will be a boon later in the season? All right. Well, I'll start with my sell high. And I think my sell high is Tua. I think, you know, we talked about him earlier on the, you know, get on, get off uh, train segment. But he's a guy who's had, you know, a, think the first game a decent, you know, game, and then the second game an explosion. So I think he's somewhere in the middle, but I think he's at that point, especially after the second game being so early in the season, it's definitely a sell-high moment. If you can offload that for something that can really help your roster, I would really do it. And at the moment, I happen to be one of those guys that have him. So I know talking from just, you know, going on right now, that'd be the guy who I would uh, go with my sell high at the moment. I agree with that. I think two is the clear sell high guy right now. Um, I'm on Ross St. Brown's having the great first two games. I don't think he can sustain this, but I think he's going to be a stud all year. Do not sell that stock. So I think two is definitely the clear sell high name in fantasy football um, for my buy low guy. It would be Kyle Pitts. He's had two games. He had the same performance twice, two catches, 19 yards. That is not impressive, but I also don't think it's something that's going to continue. I think he'll be much better going on. So if you can find somebody who maybe has Kyle Pitts, maybe they're 0-2, looking a little panicky, looking a little concerned, maybe you can steal him off of a team, offer him something that probably shouldn't be enough but it's enticing find a big name on your team that people like to hear and go ahead and get your guy Kyle Pitts off of somebody for cheap another one that I will, so I'll give you a bonus one um, Elijah Moore he's had a pretty quiet uh, first couple games I think his rapport with Zach Wilson's a little bit better than this with Joe Flacco Zach Wilson will be coming back here shortly in a few weeks and I think someone that you can buy low on and have a really good not even second half of the season. I would say three quarters of the season with him. I think you'll have a, a good returns on that. You can buy pretty low. So those are my two buy lows. Do you have a buy low guy, Nick? 
I do. I have one. I don't know if in somebody being injured counts, but I think if you could get J.K. Dobbins off of somebody to stash on your bench if you're not hurting for running backs at the moment, that's a good guy. Uh, especially in, I don't know, if, you, if you're in a deeper league like us, running backs are you know, scarce, man. There's not a lot of them out there, especially, you know, if you have two decent starters and one of your starters goes down, like you're going to be in some real trouble. So if you can get Dobbins off of somebody to put plug in there once he plays, I think that's a real nice stash that you grab somebody off a low, especially with him being injured at the moment. I think that's a good look. So got a little fantasy advice as well with the podcast. We're just helping you guys out in all angles. Uh, That's the show that we have today. I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, There's another week of fantastic football, whether you like college or you like the pros. Um, Baseball's getting real close to the postseason. Shout out to whoever's a Mets fan. They just clinched the playoffs for the first time in about six years. So I know that side of New York is pretty excited. So a lot of sports to watch, not just football. We got NBA coming back here in about a month. More, I think, or so. It should be preseason somewhere around then. So good time of year. We got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, enjoy these last few days of summer. And that's by last few, I think there's two more days of summer. Um, and then getting into fall season. Enjoy it all, and we'll holler at you guys later. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports, on Instagram at Media Timeout Sports, and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.